welcome to the Last Looks podcast, a show where we catch up with talented hairstylists and makeup artists in the film and television industry. We'll pick their super creative brains and find out all the good stuff. Join me, your host, Jamie Lee, in finding out what's what in the hair and makeup departments around the world. And now, a word from our sponsor. Are you tired of having sore shoulders, neck, and a bad back? Are you fed up with clutching actor bags under your armpits whilst doing your last looks on set? And what about those frustrating moments rummaging through an overfilled shoulder bag? Sound familiar? We have the comfortable, practical, and slick solution for you. Linear Standby Belts manufactures customizable tool belts designed for hair and makeup artists by a hair and makeup artist, Georgia Lockhart Adams. It consists of a high-quality padded belt and 12 interchangeable accessories and pouches, which will hold all your on-set needs. With a handy Velcro top on all pouches, you can swap out and change bags quickly. Even hand over actor bags to your colleagues if you step away from set. Work with both hands free and with all your essentials within easy reach. It is a game changer and will make your long working day easier. Come along and join the LSB revolution. Why wait? Visit LinearBelts.com to order your customizable tool belt today. And now, our feature presentation. Okay, folks, it's that time of year again, awards season. And of course, the Last Looks podcast is all over the Oscars situation. We have five bonus episodes where I'll be catching up with all five teams nominated for their superb makeup and hair work. All teams are asked the same set of questions, but of course they all have very different answers. Join me and these incredible artists while we dive into the exceptional work they did to get them to where they are today, Oscar Makeup and Hair nominees for 2022. Thanks for listening and supporting the podcast guys. It really does take a lot to get all these teams together to be able to bring these bonus episodes to you. With everyone working and shooting all over the world, as you know, it's hard. It certainly takes time and effort. So for that, I'm thankful to you, the listener, and all my guests. I hope you enjoy these special episodes as much as I did putting them together. Picture up. Last looks. Rolling. And action. Welcome to the Last Looks podcast team. Thank you for having us. Thank you. And may I say a huge congratulations on your Oscar nomination for your work on the film Coming to America. Thank you. <laughs> it's very exciting, guys. Now, let's start with introductions. If you could each tell us your name and what your position on the team was. Stacy Morris, hairstylist, co-department head. Carla Farmer, co-department head, hair. <laughs> Mike Marino, prosthetic character makeup designer. Amazing. So tell me, when you heard the news that you had been nominated, what was the first thought that came to mind? I need a tuxedo or a suit because I don't have a good wardrobe. <laughs> Straight to the clothes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, while I was sitting on a pile of t-shirts going, There's none of this is going to work. <laughs> You can make it work, Mike. Come on. Hilarious. Same here. What am I going to wear? Oh, my God. Is this real? Exactly. Somebody pinch me. <laughs> the night before, we said, 
let's FaceTime and record it just in case. If we don't get nominated, then we just trash it. <laughs> right. Well, actually, the Academy asked us to do it. So we were just following directions. Yeah. Ended up being a fun time. Yeah, that was good. I wish I had that footage, but uh, I flew the night before and my laptop cracked. So I was on my phone. So uh, it just didn't didn't work out. I got yelled at by Bill Corsus. It was an idiot. Why did you get a case for that? <laughs> <laughs> Living on the edge, obviously. <laughs> I would love for you to talk us through three characters from the film, makeup and hair wise, from research and development through to daily application. My favorite uh, was Wesley. His Wesley Snipes. His uh, two looks general izzy you know i kind of envisioned how i wanted his hair to look based on different inspiration that i pulled and talking with carla and just searching around trying to get some inspiration and i found this this hairstyle that's uh, east african specifically from rwanda and it's called the amasunzu style and they have like all these uh interesting peaks and valleys and shapes and like crescent shapes and different things that they do to the hair. And it originates like in the 1920s from a tribe called the Tutsi tribe. And I was like, how can I take this and stylize it into my own look for Wesley? And I felt like he was the best character to do something so elaborate like that on just because of him as an actor, his role in the movie, and just making that his character identity. And so um, I started off like trying to make these shapes and this look, and it transpired into something that I fell in love with. If you see in the film, those two looks, they're like so different. You know, most people have never seen it before. And it was just a lot of fun to create. Uh, Justin Stafford, ventilated the wig that I used to create that style and he's so wonderful like he totally understood my vision and so when I received the wig it was just basically like a afro and I had to take it from that to what you see in the film but I, I just thought that it was really really fun that look I hope everyone agreed with me <laughs> amazing yeah after reading the script and realizing the first coming to America was not focused on Zamunda as much as this film was. So I was really excited mm -hmm. about that part that we were going to spend more time in Zamunda. So then I had to determine how these children were going to identify. And so with the first film, we already knew that the older generation was influenced by a more European background as we all kind of were in the African-American culture at that time in the, you know, 1900s. And coming into the 2000s, the kids identify more with more Afrocentric images. And I was drawn to the Afropunk culture, which I really love their boldness and their mm. pride and their originality. So I drew a lot from those type of images for the kids because I figured they've lived in Africa or this 
fictitious to Africa for their whole lives. So they were more proud of their culture and they would identify with their hairstyles in that way because I'm a hairstylist. So of course I made it about the hair. Next, Doria, that was based on after conversations with production, they were going for another look with the whole Wesley and his children. So we came up with a more urban aesthetic for them so that it was it was based on culturally kind of even though it might be a more depressed situation and country as it was described in the movie that they wouldn't downplay that and look impoverished but they would you know do everything in their power to look celebrated you know, as we do naturally in our culture. So I wanted that to be realized also in the film. So that's, I think what, what, you're, what you're asking, Jamie, my favorite, I, I can't really pinpoint one, one character because I enjoyed all of it. And, and it made me very proud to be able to, to do this. Nice. Okay. I guess that's me left. Go, Mike. I couldn't really have done any of this without my really you know, t- super talented crew. I kind of had like a, a bit of a dream team on this job, uh, which was, you know, primarily uh, Mike Fontaine and Yaron Lundstrom and Diana Choi, Art Sakamoto and my whole crew. It was, it was really, really a lot of work. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. there were so many sculptures and so many makeups and uh, just a lot, just a, an army of molds we made and uh, Claire Fluin building bodysuits and all, all of this under, under Ruth Carter's clothes, which are just so amazing. So I think as far as favorites, I mean, I have to go with Saul on Eddie Murphy, which was the most complicated makeup and the, and the hardest to do for me. And just it, it was, you know, it's an iconic makeup that Rick Baker established in the first film and he created and designed. And to, you know, have that kind of intimidation to start with, <laughs> plus, plus with Eddie Murphy, you know, who, who I'm this like massive fan of, you know, and he's so good at a makeup. I mean, every everything you see in a prosthetic that you want an actor to be able to do, he does like all the expressions and all the things that. You know, you want a makeup to read and come through. He he does. You know, so it's like, okay, well, if you mess this up, you're kind of like, you're you're ruined. <laughs> you know, my career is over. <laughs> you know, so um, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So so that was a really challenging makeup, <clears throat> which we had resculpted the nose and the chin and <laughs> so many things, the ears, so many things like that. No one even knew about. We did. You know, I said, we did it all. We finished it and said, like, I think we should make the ears a little bit smaller. They're a little too crazy. You know, so we did our own kind of quest to appease ourselves, you know. So and it's still, you know, I would still be working on it now, you know, continuously. But I I love that character. I love the new character, Baba, on Arsenio Hall, which is really funny, really goofy, like Muppet type character come to life, you know, with no teeth that aren't. Sakamoto made and you know it's a really crazy dreadlocked wig and uh it was all bald and all white and really really long and then we and then uh, my favorite my all-time secret you know favorite is Randy Watson I mean that character alone in the original film is just so hilarious and and funny and I was I couldn't wait to make that one so I kind of looked at, I looked at little Richard, how he aged. I looked at Rick James, how he aged. 
and I kind of just kind of mashed them all together and uh, came up with that that look, which I wanted to have his beard gray and his hair and his mustache and everything like kind of dyed black because I thought he would do that. But like maybe he had a really like long binge and forgot to shave and he just has like this kind of, you know, gray stubble beard coming through. Which, you know, that character was just so funny. And when I told Eddie I used Rick James as a reference, he was, he's like, oh, wow, that really now, like, means a lot to me because I was friends with Rick. And, and, it, and it just, it's cool. You know, and this costume that Ruth made, that Elvis baby blue, <laughs> you know, costume yeah. was just really, really funny. <laughs> so there you go. I would choose Edie Easy, the son of. Uh, Wesley, because Paula Ashby and I made that ourselves. Well, I didn't have any custom wigs made for any of the characters I did. They were all like made by hand and just made out of like stock lace wigs or hair pieces. And they were mostly all synthetic. The only human hair wig I had from his and hers were the ones Sherry, the queen. She had some stock wigs from his and hers that I used the front of her hair and used those wigs to create those updos and hairstyles. And Bopoto was made from a friend of mine, Anne, who works at Nigel's. I don't know if you guys know Anne who works at Nigel's and she had crocheted that Afro wig for me. And it was, I just bought it. I didn't know who it was going to go on. I just bought a whole bunch of wigs and created a bunch of styles. And because we had no fittings, none whatsoever until we got there and we had to come with stuff. So oh, wow. it was, you know, they kept telling us, you know, we have no money for hair. We have no money for hair. And being my first time working at Atlanta, I didn't know what to expect when I got there, I didn't know they had mm. Kmart size beauty supplies on every corner. <laughs> I didn't know that yeah. until I got awesome. <laughs> until I got there. <laughs> so so we were that part of it was great. I could keep supplying, you know, supplying myself. So that part of it was great. But we had to prep as much as possible beforehand. And it was truly a labor of love. I loved every minute of it. I, I mean, the prep was crazy because we had two weeks of prep and I think I worked 20 hours every day to just get prepared. Two weeks, yeah, two, two weeks. weeks and no money. No oh money. That's all we kept That's all we kept hearing is no money, no money. Like we literally, yeah. we literally almost killed ourselves. Like, Oh boy. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of a lot of work, a lot of work. Thank God I had some really great team members, Navisa Nixon and Crystal Woodward. They really stepped up to the plate on my team and truly I couldn't have done it without those two. And Victor, uh, what's Victor's last name? Victor Paz. Yeah, Victor Paz. Paz. He's an amazing barber slash hairstylist. He's amazing. And the whole team, I had some really great people on my team who really stepped up the plate and really had my back. You know, it's kind of hard when you go into a new place and you don't have 
any idea who you're going to hire and you just have to trust the process. And I already felt I had the best team in Hollywood in LA. You know what I'm saying? So I was kind of shook, like, how am I going to do this without my team? But, you know, Atlanta stepped up and they did a great job. I overly prepped. I overly, anytime I saw anything, I just purchased it, purchased it, purchased it and created and made and, you know, they, I have my own little room. You know how the trailers have that one, we didn't have the um, the one you go up the stairs, but it was a separate um, room and they just gave me that whole room because yeah. I, I think people knew that I was a mad scientist, so. <laughs> it, was, it was literally hair everywhere. Hair on the shelf. Everywhere. Hair on stands coming from the floor. Eddie had a separate trailer. I had hair in that trailer. It was just hair everywhere. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, Eddie's trailer had all the wigs propped up, and uh, yeah. and it had uh, Art Sakamoto outside grinding to the front, you know, and like, a, right. the, like, like some kind of, you know, when it was so hot for Art. Who was oh doing God. all the teeth and readjusting and fitting and all these things. And it was just like sweat acrylic bullets. and like, yeah, 100 and, 110 degrees sweat, you know. Oh, yeah. The weather. Oh, my oh, God. Zamunda. We were really in Africa. <laughs> like, it was hot. It was so hot. Oh, my God, Jamie. It was like we were in Africa when we were on the plane. Bugs. Like, when you... <laughs> oh my God. bugs getting oh, bit God. itching human oh hot it was come on we're makeup oh. and hair people we don't go outside <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what it to was do. for real africa hot i've been in africa where in their their summer which is our winter it was africa hot in <laughs> for real. that's awesome that yeah. was that was that was uh one of the challenges too. I was yeah. about to say what what did you guys find to be your biggest challenge during filming? Yeah, the the challenge for, one of the challenges for me was the climate, you know, with the heat and the humidity, you know, especially like with Wesley, he's a he sweats, you know, profusely, so you know, just getting everything the adhesives and stuff to stay and not turn colors and the lifting and the <laughs> That I literally, you know, would have me and the makeup artist oh. and one other person on our team literally just watch Wesley. Just watch him, just between every take, just watch him. I even went right to Mike and was like, I need a new mixture. Like, we were like literally <laughs> scientists, like, you know what I'm saying? Trying to figure out adhesives that would, you know, make it through the weather, his sweat. And, you know, perhaps a drink after work. I don't know. Something was making it lift. But, yeah, that was one of the challenges. That was definitely one of the challenges. If I remember, yeah. if I remember that correctly, that one day I came in with you guys, it, uh, he had, like, wounds on his head. And <laughs> Stacy said, Wesley, what? What happened to your head? You have this like swollen kind of injury, and he's go. He says, he says, he starts laughing, and he goes, "Ha ha ha ha! You wouldn't understand. It's some Russian shit." <laughs> so who knows what he was doing, fighting and training and whatever he was doing? Yeah, but he's into I, martial I, arts. Amazing. Who knows? Uh... <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, I think I think we used uh, I think we used super baldies on the beard eventually that really tried to mm. ha- help stick. Yeah, uh, that, be- mixture, that beard down a mixture of like alcohol and Adagel and like yep yeah right. but we still exactly. were like on it between every take <laughs> like literally yep. we had days that you put it on everything's perfect it's cold in the trail it looks great and he goes out to shoot and one take and it's literally off his chin like that's and, and you gotta think the thing is on his chin so all the sweat from up top of his head is all running down <laughs> into the piece like the piece was wet <laughs> it was a mess i felt so bad for vera and stacy on one of those days it was it was comical it was so comical yeah. like they would literally the thing was falling off in the scene and they literally they literally had to just stick it on at the last minute <laughs> And film it, and then it would just come off again. Like, yeah, it would just stick between it every so take. Funny. And I had to dry it because it would be sopping wet with sweat. Like, yeah, oh that was that gosh. was that was pre-pandemic because we were probably yeah would have been freaked out. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so funny. Yeah, I would say the weather, the weather, the weather. Yeah, and our- I want to yeah. add to like what Carla said. That was a challenge too, like just being told from the beginning before we even start prepping that there's no money, you know, and mm. trying to be prepared for what we may be faced with, you know, and then collecting just an overabundance of hair. Cause our goal was like to successfully present a vast array of looks that have never been seen collectively you know, on screen, like in one film. So we knew that we had a task at hand. Like Carlo shipped herself just like 50 cases, you know, and I had like maybe 17 or something. So together, all hair, all pieces, loose hair, you know, stock wigs. And so all of that stuff went ahead and just the preparation alone, you know, with those with those constraints was was a challenge. But at, like, and as hairstylists, we always hear that on all productions, you know, there's never enough money and, you know, so you kind of get used mm-hmm. to that. Well, I've gotten used to it. So I know to overly prepare myself. I've had some great mentors in my life and they have blessed me to give me the work ethic that I have. And I just know to overly prepare and to overly do research. So I always have visuals that I can go to. I, I, mm-hmm. I kind of, I love what I do, Jamie. So it's, it's hard work, but I love what I do. I don't need an alarm clock to get up. I, I value the hard work. I value challenges. And I just think it energizes people. It, and Stacy and I had the same thing on Dolomite, you know, where it was challenging, but we love, we love doing what we do. So it's a pleasure to do that kind of work. And I always thrive when people tell me what I cannot do, or they don't think we can achieve it. The producers did not have a clue of what we were going to bring. And I understand why they thought oh, we don't need money for hair because in the first coming to America, as beautiful as it was, they were all in current day USA. So I'm sure they thought, oh, Mm -hmm. it's just going to be like that. 
but they had no idea what was in our mind. So we had to show them. And I remember the first time Bella, Eddie's daughter came on set and she came on when they were doing the fencing scene and she had that hair. And one of the producers came up to me and said, I get it now. I get it. So after that, you know, there wasn't a pushback. It still was a limited budget, but it wasn't so much of a pushback because sometimes you just have to show them. And then they were like, okay, I get Yeah, it. and speaking of showing them, Carla can tell you, I was trying to describe Wesley's hair, right? Because this was a vision in my mind. And I don't know how to describe that look. You know, it's kind of difficult. And so I literally got out, and luckily I can draw and kind of sketch a little bit. I got out a, a pencil and a piece of paper and started playing around sketching the look so that I could show them and so that I could show the director and I could show Eddie and I could show Wesley the looks. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I understand the direction you're trying to go in, but without being able to draw that out and give an idea of the direction I was going in, there was no way to explain that hair. Like, I don't know how I would have showed them that, you know? So no, I, I feel like it would be a tricky one. To, yeah. 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 Even, to, yeah. <laughs> even to date, I still don't know like how you, how you describe <laughs> that, that style, you know? And then we only had one meeting with Wesley prior to shooting. And that was a meeting just to measure his head. That was it. And when I got to Atlanta, because it was so last minute, we had no prep time. You know, Justin was still here in L.A. trying to ventilate and finish the, the wig for me. And then he FedExed it to me and I got it. And I'm like, OK, I have zero time to get this ready. Like it was it was crazy. And then I was lucky enough that he didn't start off shooting like on day one because I literally we were already working and I was still going home at night or when I had time in the trailer you know, working on this, these looks for Wesley. So beyond stressed out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I think, you know, the biggest challenges for me are really in the studio, like, which, which is really the most fun part for me. There are so many sculptures because each makeup is about like broken down. It's about 15 plus pieces. So every one of them becomes a sculpture in a mold. So just arriving at one makeup, I mean, there's like, there's something like 50 molds involved, you know, times, I think at the time it was 10 or 11. So, you know, there, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of molds and months mm. of preparing that stuff. You know, each eye bag and each upper lip and lower lip and chin and cheeks and ears and earlobes. And there's so many things. Plus, we, uh, Claire Fluin had made the, constructed the, the little pot bellies and the, and the man boobs and uh, just all this, all this cool stuff. And I think, you know, it was, it's, it's been kind of crazy because my studio was, is based in New York. So mm. I have a few people that come out and fly in and, you know, tech people, mold makers and, and uh, technical people. And Euron Lundstrom was there from Sweden, you know, cause he, you know, he loved the film as well. And, uh, you know, had Mike Fontaine luckily, which was local, but it was hard to, you know, it's always hard to find, you know, people that can do this kind of stuff, even the technical people. So it's always a challenge trying to find, you know, enough workers to know how to do something you know because this is really high tech stuff this is the higher tech stuff in our industry you know 
each neck is injected into this in the each neck is prepared through this complicated collapsible system where the mold opens from the inside and the and the sculpture there's no seams on it so it's it's a lot of work but at the same time super fun super super fun you know like carla said we you know i love what i do so i i don't think any of us could do what we do if, if we didn't love what we do you know even if it's crazy even if it's you know just like intense i mean in our days we're you know 15 plus hour days every day you know so it's a lot you know even the weekends there there are no weekends it's really kind of like we can plan a schedule and we can say okay well we can get it done in this time period but i always go and work on the weekends too just because i know there's going to be things that i may want to change and that's people doing schedule with me don't aren't foreseeing so i always try to get stuff done earlier and then have the room to change something if possible so I mean, a whole job, a whole job like this is really fighting for time. You know, it's like, hey, we have this great movie with all these makeups. And then we say, and then I say, okay, well, I need, I really need three months to prepare. I mean, and that's rare Mm. these days, you know, but something like this, I think that they, they knew this would be a massive build because they had the experience with Rick Baker and Eddie's people, Sharice, Eddie's producer really, really know the process at this point, you know, after all the nutty professors and after all the Norbit stuff. So they know how long this stuff takes. So I was spoiled a bit to have some time to really kind of work out how, how we can make these, you know, turn out, you know, because, you know, I'm competing with, uh, uh, you know, what people are familiar with, with Rick Baker level quality stuff, you know, which is like the best you could ever get. So if you cram all that into some rushed time schedule, you know, it's just not going to work out. So we luckily did that. And, um, and on set, it was, again, I didn't have the outdoor filming. We filmed everything in the studio in the barber shop, you know, and, or in like a wedding hall or something, you know. So all of our stuff luckily was all air conditioned. And, I, you know, and I always tell production, I always like yell at them and say, if you don't have an air conditioning tent for him, if you don't have this thing, uh, well, I'm not showing up. So, so I, oh, I just always try to make them do everything that makes the actor more comfortable, you know, little, little stations on set, air conditioning tents, because it is hot, you know, every pore on your skin is covered most, most of the time with paint, with glue, with wigs, with everything, hands. So even if it's cold, you're naturally sweating and and that sweat has nowhere to go. I always try my best to try to make everybody comfortable. You know, and their body suits and the costumes, and you know, it's a lot. And the lights are hot, even if it's cold. So there's always touching up. There's always maintaining. There was one uh, day that Clarence, Eddie Murphy, the barber, his his neck was the paint was rubbing off because it was the shirt was tight and it was just he kept moving his head and you know we kept going in and touching it up and touching it up. You know, it's just it never ends until you see the movie and then you go back and say, well, is there is there anything that we can do digitally? To do something to change something like that because we can never rely on that digital aspect of it. But you know, when things happen like accidents or you know, some paint rubs off because of something, I mean, it's just it's just we're lucky to have that able to be fixed if if possible. So, luckily, nothing really needed fixing other than you know, a little color that came off on the neck or something. But we always try to make everything look as good in person as possible, of course, of course. Hey, so I mean massive shoot obviously um a lot of challenges uh were there any standout lessons learned i think one of my lessons learned was you know when you're as an artist 
passionate about something that you're creating to push for it, you know, because in the long run, like the looks that were presented in the film, you know, me and Carla is like, we're so happy with it. But if we were just, you know, basically, quote unquote, yes, men, then it wouldn't have been what you see on screen. You know, we would have followed instructions and we would have just said, okay, well, they want this or that and just, you know, did the bare minimum. But I think that we went above and beyond and it just speaks to, you know, stick to your guns, you know. And for me personally, like with creating Wesley's looks, it's something that I had never tried to achieve before. And I always say this, that if you take yourself outside of your city of comfort, then there's so much discovery to be made. You know, I would have never known that that's something I could do unless I tried, basically. So, you know, that that's my lesson learned. Oh, for me, I think my biggest lesson was that in every film, I kind of doubt myself of my abilities. I think we all do that because we're humble people. But at the same time, it taught me to really believe in a vision and go with it. And also to really, even if everyone doubts the direction you're going, just those couple of people who support you, you can get a lot done just with one person support or two people support. You don't need everyone to agree with you. You know, as long as you have that one person behind you, you can move mountains. You know what I'm saying? That's what innovators do. They don't always have the whole room understanding or believing in it. But when it's said and done, they're like, oh, okay, that's what you, that's what you meant. Okay, I get it now. You know what I'm saying? It's good. Yeah, nice. I think as far as, as, far as lessons, I think um, test as much as you can. That's always the thing I like to do. And I I've been privileged to have a lot of tests on films in the past. So I always leave room, a little bit of room to make adjustments. And I think that people really uh, have to try to make room, whether they're building something or trying to space out shooting, shooting days with the production. I think there's the more time you have, the better, because on this film, we had no test. You know, I think we tested Arsenio once, you know, and, and that was that was it. Everything else was just on the fly the first time we did makeup and Eddie it was like you know, it was filmed you know so we were so used to so many of the of the processes that um, luckily we were prepared for this so I think try and push for test as much as you can and try to space out the schedule because even if production crams up a shooting day say well I don't think that's going to work I think Eddie needs a break from the makeup for a day or Arsenio needs a break from the makeup a day, can it be filmed Tuesday? And you'd be surprised how production kind of moves things around, um, especially if you're filming on studio, you can move things around because a lot of the time they try to cram stuff in and they go like, well, we're going to be wrapping at like one in the morning. You have him in right away the next day. I said, that's not going to work. You know, so I try to always, whether you want to call it manipulating, but I try to manipulate the schedule with, with production to try to make it as easy as possible to actors. And I think that's a really good lesson for anybody listening out there and doing what we do to try to move things around to accommodate your actor and to accommodate your people sleeping and all that kind of thing. So it's definitely something to look out for. So I'm going to ask a, a tricky question, but I'm asking everybody. What do you feel sets your work apart from your fellow nominees? For me, I'm going to say the fact that 
there's such, and I said it before, such a vast array of different textured hairstyles mm-hmm. that have never, ever been seen collectively yeah. in one film on screen. You know, and I think that we exemplified that in, in the movie. It's like a celebration. And with that, it wasn't just, you know, like you can watch a 70s film, let's say an African-American 70s film. And it's like, oh, yeah, they had Afros. We identify that with the 70s, but they're just regular, just Afro stuff we've seen before. You know, we tried to do that in Dolomite as well. You know, it was it depended on geographically where you were, how you were wearing your afro or the color or your sideburns or your facial hair. It wasn't just the same look across the board. And in this movie, we had the blessing of it being a platform where we could show these Afrocentric styles with the African tribal aesthetic, you know, because we had Zamunda and we had Nextoria you know, and immersed in this Afropunk influence. We also had fantasy and imagination. We had current day hairstyles, you know, uh, back East Mm. in New York when we did the flashbacks. We had a a generational thing going on where we had like the, the urban, the elevated urban, you know, edgy street look. And then those European and American influenced hairstyles. So we got to like literally play and do everything. It wasn't like just one thing you saw in this movie it was everything across the board you you we had a period you know back to the 80s we had current day we had european influence we had african influence you know it was just we had everything we had a perfect platform display an enormous amount of hair and looks in one film and thank you jesus (laughs) and we had the best person to do special effects makeup too Uh, so it's like uh, oh my god we have (laughs) we have all the we got all the elements we got all the elements historical (laughs) moment because in the history of the night this is the 94th is it the 94th account in 94 years 94 years yeah the whole history of the academy celebrate black beauty in 94 years people like Robert Stevenson, who did the first coming to America, Mr. Ken Walker, may he rest in peace, all the beautiful images he gave, Camille Friends, who did um, Black Panther. No one has ever been nominated for Black beautiful images. So, yeah, we're like, yeah. We, we literally, it's history, you know, like the, the people from... Um, Ma Rainey, that's the first time ever in the history of the Academy that a black hairstylist has been nominated. And here we come, the second people in history in 94 years. So it's an honor, you know, to be acknowledged and recognized in this way. You know, working with Eddie Murphy and Arsenio and and Clint, even Clint Smith, who is uh, Eddie's childhood friend. I mean, just the style of, of aging on black skin, too, is is rarely seen. And I had a field day doing things and copying reference and doing, you know, di- different colorations and, and different skin texture and, and different hair textures and mustaches. And there's so many things, you know, and luckily I had worked with Mahershala Ali and aged him for True Detective, which really started this path down my understanding, you know, because I'm looking at 
something microscopically as well, you know, so it was just really a challenge, you know, to do all that stuff. And it was just, I don't think it's really been done to, especially to this extent. So here we are, here we are. Nice. Good answer guys. I love it. Hey, so I know that it takes a team. We all know that. So I just wanted to know if you wanted to kind of like take a moment to give a shout out to those that helped you on the project. I wanted to say this too about Stacy and Mike. Stacy is, for me, in my opinion, she is the best of the best and so is Mike. And I feel privileged to be around people of such caliber and work ethic and skill level. So I also believe you have to surround yourself with people who want to make you be better. You know what I'm saying? And I, I feel we all mm -hmm. encourage each other to do our best work. And that's very important. Like, I mean, we were all on the same page 100% of the time. Like Stacy joined in with Mike to make things right. happen. You know, I joined in with Mike to make things happen. Stacy joined in. I joined in. Like, we all were trying to do our best work. And that's very important. And it's a privilege to be with these two individuals. Because me, I feel like I w I'm working with the best of the best. <laughs> me, Carla, that means a lot. Thank you so Ditto. much. And I, and I feel the same. I feel the same. Uh, I mean, you know, the fun thing is that we actually all genuinely like each other. Well, I could say, you know, you yeah. know and, it, and it's just so much easier to do that if you can. Crystal Wolfer, Victor Pius, Lu uh, Louisa Anthony, Maurice Bowman, and Ann Bray, Bray. and... Yeah, Will Nim, Will and Nims. also Robert Stevenson, who created the looks in the first coming to America, Hairwise, and all, and gave us a level to aspire to go to and further. Because he called me and he said, "Carla, I'm passing the baton, and I want you to go all the way and and hit the mark." I give so much honor to. The people, like I said, Robert Stevenson, Irma Kent, Julia Walker, Leonard Drake, rest in peace, Ken Walker, rest in peace. These were my mentors and people I aspire to be like. So I give all that, give that back to them because of them, I am where I am. Right. Yeah. And I'd lastly like to thank uh, Justin Stafford for the wigs and... Sharice Hewitt, Eddie's assistant and producer on the movie, and Vera Steinberg. Yeah, Craig and, and the director and Vera Steinberg as well. I would say Rick Baker. You know, I, I would say Rick Baker. I mean, I, I had asked, you know, Rick permission to do this job because I hold, hold him up to such a high regard. I said, I told the producers, I said, I'm not going to do this film if Rick Baker doesn't, doesn't let me. And they said, what? But we're giving uh -huh. you this job. And I said, I can't, I can't do it. I can't do it. So, so I, you know, I got in touch with Rick and he said, yes, you know, you have my blessing and, you know, and uh, it's better, th you, you better thank me out there, you know? And I said, and I, and I said, absolutely will. I mean, you know, the guy's my idol. So, and my crew is 
incredible. And the behind the scenes people as well, Trent Taft, who ran all the silicone and um, Manny Lemus, Izzy Galindo. I mean, there's so many unsung names uh, that never really kind of get credit. And I always try to push for them on screen credits and all that stuff. And uh, I couldn't really have done it without my crew. Diana Choi and uh, Bill Corso, who came to set, uh, who, who did the makeups with us as well during those weeks. And Dennis Bailey and Lola, who were Leslie's key people. I always forget to thank them, but they were so important because because they came in. It took off my plate a lot of things that I had to do. So I want to give a big shout out to Dennis and Lola who were with Leslie. Amazing, guys. So it has been so fabulous to learn more about what it took to get your work on camera daily and in turn bring you to this point today, being nominated for an Oscar. It's so Yay. awesome. <laughs> so excited, honored. Thank you. Congrats and thanks for joining me, guys. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. For links to see more about our guests, go to our Instagram at The Last Looks Podcast or our website, thelastlookspodcast.com. If you want to keep up with new episodes being released, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, or any podcast streaming platform. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, share it. The Last Looks Podcast would like to thank Brett Stanley and Sabrina Castro. The song Fun Time by DJ Quads. Thanks for listening. Until next time. That's a wrap, people.